Welcome back to Toys on Tap. It's our pleasure to bring on Jimmy Folklore to the podcast this week. Dope artist, has background in music, got lucky that had parents that saved his action figures, but you can catch all that and more this week. If you want to support Toys on Tap, you can go on all socials at Toys on Tap. If you want to push this show so it gets to other ears, go wherever you get podcasts, like, subscribe, rate, review. Now let's get to this episode of Toys on Tap. Can you hear me? What's up? Yeah. It was so silent. I wasn't sure if I heard you or not. Yeah. I'm in the base, the bowels of the house. Yeah. Oh, it was fun. I saw Emily and Zoe pop up and I was like, no, no, you're good. I was like, oh my gosh, uh, I have random people in here. That part doesn't matter, right? No, 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 no. It doesn't matter. Because I don't don't keep the video. Yeah, I don't keep any (laughs) part of it. Um, dude, I'm stoked that you're on. I hear your name a lot, uh, and I've seen your work come through, and people seem to think that you are the end-all, be-all of knowledge of toys, so I'm excited about that. Oh, man. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. I yeah. think I've, I've probably have been overhyped, but I'll try to live up to that name. Live up to it. And at this, you know what? My editing has gotten good. So even if it doesn't, I'm going to make you <laughs> make sure you live up to it. Before we start, you want to introduce yourself? Um, Sure. I am Jimmy Hughes. Uh, you can call me Jimmy. Other people call me folklore because I do a thing that I call folklore industries, um, which is mostly me but I get definitely some help from some other places and um, I like toys. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way that I like all sentences to end. And yeah. And I like toys. Sounds like an AA meeting almost. <laughs> yeah. Jimmy. In a way it is. I'm confessing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is, we should, uh, that should just be a segment of just, there's holy music playing. And then all of a sudden it's like a holy grail. like confession time. Yeah. Yes. Get all your um, your guilty pleasures out. <laughs> what is the name Jimmy Folklore? So I want to talk about what Folklore Industries is, why your name on Instagram is Jimmy Folklore, and then toy like all that stuff. Walk me through that, Jimmy Folklore. Sure. Yeah. Um. So Folklore originally was the name, or is the name of my band, and um. Uh, and these days we don't. Uh, we still record, but we don't really play out much anymore. And that's why the uh, Instagram originally had that name, and all of my all of my social media, um, in one way or another, is attached to that name. And um, and for a while, I had my um, Instagram private, and then when I started just kind of opening it up, um, I didn't. I was doing more toy stuff than music stuff, so that's kind of what I was posting. Uh, and I just never really thought much of it. That was just my name and the name of my band mushed together. Um, nice. But then obviously when I started meeting toy toy folks, they all go by their Instagram names. So I started getting called Jimmy Folklore because that's just what my Instagram name is. And when I started doing toys, I just kind of carried the name Folklore over just because it was uh, a name that I still liked. And, and now we're an industry because we do a few different things. Uh, yeah. We do some... Uh, video stuff we do some music stuff and we do some uh 
always some art stuff. Dope. And when I say we, I'm kind of I'm using that word loosely. It's mostly just me. Yeah, but I do have some other folks that help me out. Yeah, I I it's yeah. the royal we, right? Yeah, I, it's the whenever, royal we. Yeah, whenever I talk about toys on tap, it's always the oh, we were so happy to have you on. It is just me. If anyone's ever wondering, <laughs> yeah, just me. Um, yeah. seeing that, I mean, Jimmy folklore that. Okay, you brought up something that's really irritating to me, and I'm, I love, oh. no, no, it's good. Uh, we only know each other by our Instagram names, which is the worst when we first meet each other, like in public or at like designer con or at some right anything. It's like, oh my gosh, there's at so and so, but it's like, no, well, they have a name, but we just like I only interact with people through toys, and so it's like. Instagram handles galore. Right. Yeah, I haven't had any um in other than uh I haven't really met anybody other than General Porpoise, uh, who I think is open about his name being Brett. Yeah. <laughs> but I haven't met anybody else yet. I do remember I was asking um uh on Toys on uh, uh Toys Alive about that when they were all at uh, uh assembly required. And yeah. it was like when everyone's seeing each other, what do you call each other? Because I would I don't know. I've always called people by their names, but I, you're right. I don't know most people's names. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the hard part is too, in conversation, it like bounces back and forth. Even when I talk to people like Brian, I bounce back and forth between Brian and B to the J. Right. Um, but yeah, it's so tough. And then the worst part is like, if you've only interacted through Instagram and then you've never really seen the person, then when you first see them, it's like like that. It's almost like a meet cute in a romantic comedy. You're like, will they? Won't they? Is that who it is? And yeah, yeah, yeah. I can relate to from my younger years because I did a lot of um stuff with bands and touring and stuff. Um, so uh, I met a lot of people doing that. I also used to run a small record label, so I met a lot of people online. Um, only to meet them maybe in person like years later or something. You know, just yeah. in. Sometimes, sometimes I meet people still today that I've known for years and have never met, you know. I kind of want to take a stab years. at the music part of your life. Because sure. uh, you, you you threw it in like it was – like you ran a small record label, which is awesome. And then <laughs> a band and in, in recording. Where's that starting? Where's that coming from? Like walk me through the history of you being an artist in that form. Yeah, okay. Um so I think, yeah, when I think of myself as an artist, I'm probably more of a musician. And then um, the toys as an art form uh, kind of comes in. I don't know. I don't know if I consider myself an artist. Uh, I'm more of an enthusiast in that in that department. Okay. But yeah, I started I started playing in bands when I was in high school. And then um, that carried on through college, uh, where I started um, uh, a band with some friends there. And then that carried over. We ended up um, moving into a house together in New York City that carried over there with uh, uh, same folks, different band. <laughs> and then eventually from New York City, I ended up moving to Athens, Georgia. Um, that was around 2001. And um, I was already in my late 20s at that point. And then when I moved there, Athens, Georgia has like a really vibrant music scene. And I ended up playing uh, starting a band there and I also ended up playing in other people's bands there and I 
did a lot. I had a, um, when I lived there, I owned a van. So I did a lot of touring, both with my band, with my van band and with other people's bands that I played with. And, uh, yeah, that stuff sort of just blossomed and kept me busy until, uh, sometime uh, around, around 2000, I think it was 2009 that I moved to Philadelphia. My wife started, um, grad school. Mm-hmm. And we moved up up to this part of the country, and we've been we're living in that general area still. And I still did some music stuff after that. I did quite a bit of music stuff after that, actually. I even still toured with um, some band with uh, my band that I was playing with, Elf Power. They were still touring when I moved, so I still did a little bit of long distance stuff where I would uh, kind of fly in and rehearse with them in Georgia, and did another year or so of touring after I moved. I think. But that's, you know, that distance kind of strains that. So uh, I ended up um, I ended up going back to grad school at that point and, uh, to get my uh, teaching certificate. Yeah. And that's where I'm at now. I'm a teacher and uh, I still do some music and some stuff like that. Nice. Um, but yeah, so I had, a, I had a good run with that. I got to do a lot of touring around the U.S. I got out over into Europe a couple of times, which was pretty, uh, pretty sweet. And um yeah, it's an awesome, awesome experience. When, I mean, what type of uh, genres are you playing in as you're touring with these, technically the same band, different names, different vibes, probably, like what kind of genres? Yeah, so um, I think everything that I do probably falls pretty solidly into like the realm of what's called indie rock. Yeah. Um, But I, uh, the band I did most of the touring with is a band called Elf Power. They're still around today. Um. Uh, some of the same folks uh, lineup has changed. They've actually, gosh, they started, I think, in 96. Wow. So they've had a long run, yeah, with some lineup changes. I was in there I was in there in the middle for about seven years with them and um, playing playing lead guitars. And uh, so a lot of the touring, that, the grand majority of the touring that I did was with them. Um, and uh, they're an indie rock band. Um, they they kind of teeter on on the yeah a lot of like psychedelic kind of stuff yeah in the mix um some some borrowing from like a kind of punk era and some borrowing from you know 60s psychedelic and some just kind of a little more straightforward um you know kind of beatles-esque jangly pop yeah that there's a bunch of different they kind i kind of like playing in bands like that and elf power definitely does that where some some songs will be like full-on um you know, all the distortion is all the way up and we're just, you know, blowing it out and other ones will be really mellow and kind of runs the gamut. Yeah. Are you, um, as a part of this, in like a process of missing that now being a teacher and like other parts of you that miss touring and all that kind of stuff? Oh, yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, I mean, that's some, that's some of the some of the best times, but I'm also... Um, um, you know, I'm in my uh, late 40s now, so uh, uh, what I'm doing kind of makes sense for me now. Um, uh, I think what I really wish is that I had started doing some of that stuff when I was young, like earlier, because I didn't yeah. really get into my groove with that until I was in like my early like 30s, late mm-hmm. 20s, early 30s. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, any opportunity, like, uh, would I do it again? Do I long for it? Sure. Any opportunity to like, get in a car with some of your best buds and just drive around the country and, uh, you know, go to new cool places each night and eat awesome food and 
play some songs. I mean, that's that's kind of all I want. You know, I love I'll, I'll always love doing that if I get the opportunity to. <laughs> yeah, that sounds so sick. Let's now yeah. what we need to do is get a group together in a van and all you do is you cast toys along the way and you sell toys and that's what fuels your tour yeah someone's got to find that magic combo where you're like a band and you can perform and then sell your records and your toys you have yeah. like a merch stand every night yeah some, some sort of like uh some sort of like uh pouring group <laughs> yeah uh walk me back all the way back to childhood um we are looking at little jimmy hughes little kid uh growing up you said you're in your 40s so growing up what are the toy lines that you're playing with and what are the things that will eventually give inspiration to what you do now that type of stuff right so all that stuff um was the stuff that gives inspiration to me now because that's like i guess i've branched out a little bit into some newer toys but yeah my focus has always been that that heavy hit and nostalgia. So I was born in 75. So that kind of 75 to 1986-ish, 87 is kind mm -hmm. of my sweet spot. Um so obviously Star Wars, that's right in there. Yeah. Um, but I also had early on had a lot of those like eight-inch Mego um with the with the clothes and stuff. Yeah. That stuff was like the superheroes that you could uh kind of changed their clothes and they had the cloth goods those were always fun to play with um and i had a yeah gi joe was big for me although not as big as star wars and um i had some he-man stuff i my i guess my mainstay was star wars but what, what i find looking back at that stuff the stuff that i think that i find most fond like the most fond memories of and um, the things that I actively hunt out as my, as an adult are all those like kind of little one-off things that I had mixed in, like all the little like weirdo three and three quarter inch guys that you had that were either a present from a birthday and you had no idea what, like, like now I know it's a micronaut, but at the time it was just this weird yeah. little alien dude that kind of lived amongst my Star Wars guys. Um, or I had like a couple of Buck Rogers figures in the mix or Battlestar Galactica. So those things all kind of were fun to me because they were things that I rediscovered when I started collecting as an adult because I knew what they were, right? I, I recognized them, but you had to kind of like figure out, oh, what's this from? What else? What else is there? And uh, yeah, so those, those, I mean, it's not the most exciting answer because it's just like Star Wars and everyone yeah. like that. But yeah, that was, I mean, you know, I, I, I was like three years old when those movies, when the first one came out, so... I was yeah. right in the zone for that to be like my favorite thing. And it was a little bit before video games too. So I didn't have that distraction yet. And sort of like your action figures were, you know, your, those were your thing. Yeah. <laughs> when was your first video game system? Was it like ColecoVision, Atari? What are we talking? Now we, uh, we were, um, I was around for all those things and friends that had those, but, um, yeah, my, my fam, my dad held out on getting us any of that stuff until the end, the first NES. Okay. And in hindsight, that was a great place to start because, you know, uh, I, I like all those old, older games, Atari and stuff, but ultimately I was just really bad at them. You know, they were fun, but they were fun to play for a second, but they, I would just die immediately. Yeah. And it wasn't until like the, the NES when I started seeing games that were a little more like, um, 
I don't know. They made more sense to my brain, I guess. Yeah. Like the adventure and what you were seeing rather than just uh just the little dots and stuff like that. <laughs> uh but yeah, we had the NES and that was that was we didn't have a ton of games, but that was a fun one because you know, there was a lot there was a lot you could get for that. Yeah, looking at uh every once in a while Dan O'Brown will post a picture of all his games and it is I mean, I had like two or three games that my grandfather would like we would play on his NES when I was a little kid. And I, I, it's crazy to think that it was like Mario and Duck Hunt and Tetris and Othello, like random ones. Um, But then there's so many more games out there that I just never saw and never got to play. It's so vast. Um, I met a guy here in my, in my area. Um, I actually met him via Craigslist, which is odd. That's not how I usually meet people, but we yeah. met, did a toy trade on Craigslist. And uh, we interrupted this broadcast of Toys on Top to bring you this. Meanwhile, in a galaxy of bootleg treasures. DOV2, we have an engine failure. We must crash land on DKE Toy Planet. Oh my, we're doomed. Wait. Salvation! Hooray! We're saved in DLV2! Limited edition custom artist made action figures and DKE Toys! Check out www.dkatoys.com for a full catalog. Hooray for custom action figures! DKE! And he's one of those guys, kind of like Dano, where he has, I don't know if he has every single one, but he has a room and it's just lined and he has like every or at least uh, most of the uh, original NES. That's like his focal point. He's got everything. It's insane. The different aspects of NES were always so confusing, especially looking back, like the, the glove, the guns, the they have like all kinds of whatever gets to plug in. I didn't know that yeah. all that existed growing up. And now that I do, it's like, well, that could have been super fun having it as a kid, but. Yeah. And also not, you know, like the gun thing is kind of fun for a brief period, but the the games like Duck Hunt is fun, but it doesn't really do, you can't really do too much with Duck Hunt. I was told like, that there is a two player mode where you, the second player controls the duck. There is. Yeah. And that seems so they did build, fun. They build a little bit of that into it. If you do have the two player. Yeah, that's true. Um, but I don't think, and I could be wrong. I'm not. A, I'm not an expert, but I. I don't think there's a whole lot of games with the gun. There's also the robot. I don't know, do you remember the robot? Really no. early on, there was a robot, and it basically was just. I think it was basically just this thing that kind of moved like this and could push, like move side to side and push the up and down to push the red the red buttons. So mm -hmm. it would play. I think. I think you would lock the controller into it, and the robot would control the second one. But I mean, basically, it's the same as playing the computer. Just yeah. the robot is tell is sending the direction via the remote instead of yeah. But it was so like a gimmick early on. If you were alone, instead of them encouraging you to get a friend, they were like, Hey, we have a robot for you. Right. Right. <laughs> that was also mid-80s where like everything was robot. Like they were just throwing like robots into movies, just like wedging them in where they could because everything was trying to get a robot in there. Yeah. <laughs> How ridiculous. At what age did you start to give up on uh, toys like some of us do and give it away yeah. and do all that stuff? I probably held on to it longer than than some. Um, 
But um, yeah, for me, I have I have a pretty obvious marker because I had every single Star Wars figure, and then when that uh, last crew, that last crew, the ones that came with the coins, the power of the Force, I uh, I I didn't have all those. I bought a few and then didn't buy them all. So I think that's eighty six, eighty five, eighty six is probably where I was starting to veer away. At that point, I was getting more into like. Um, like skateboarding and stuff like that. So that's probably where any extra money I had was going. Yeah. And, uh, which is, yeah. I mean, what a natural progression. And then did you get rid of all of them? No. Um, I am one of the rare few that has my childhood toys. My parents were super cool. Uh, they just left my bedroom closet. They're like, this is your storage locker. And I just boxed them all, boxed up what I wanted, and some were in there, and a few things were in the attic. And they just held on to them for me, which was great because for years, um, you know, I was kind of living in different places. There was one year uh, or one stretch of years where I lived in, I think, nine different apartments, no, eight different apartments in nine years. <laughs> so oh, I was moving geez. a lot. So um, yeah, they just hung on to everything for me which was really nice. And then when they eventually moved into the house that they're living in now, this was around it was around the time when I moved to Philly. I think it was around 2009 they moved and they gave me the call and they were like, all right, it's time. Come figure out what you want to keep and what's going to go, go. And I, at the time, didn't have a job. So I just was like, I'm keeping it all. And I brought it all, started sifting through it. And that's when I started um, started selling some things on eBay. I'd never eBayed before. But um, I was touring. I was kind of juggling jobs when I was home. And I was like, well, if I have a day off, then I'm going to sift through some toys and um, and put some on eBay. And that's when I also started uh, thrift storing and going to yard sales and stuff. Yeah. So things started going out. But then as I found things, I was like, oh, this is cool. I remember this. I'm going to find some more of these. And then things started kind of trickling in, too. Yeah. When you uh, did that, did you find like looking back? Um, I remember all the toys that I had when I was a kid. So a lot of my collecting is informed by that. Um, sifting through those old toys, did you realize like, oh my gosh, like these are worth this much money? I need to get these like sold immediately, like that type of stuff. There was a few that were like that. Um I had mentioned it before that I only got a few of those last 17 Star Wars and there was the few that I had, I ended up selling because they were some of the um, more expensive things that I had at the time. Uh, not going to lie, I kind of regret that, but a few yeah. of them I've gotten back in the meantime. But, um, you know, at the time it made a lot of sense and I, and I made, you know, several hundred dollars selling them. So that was good money that I needed at the time. Uh, so yeah, there was a few like that. Um, there's a there was a few other things too that I found that yeah that were but mo most of the things that I've that I've found in my, in my time that have been like um, more valuable items have been things that I've kind of lucked into found in the wild or found one way or another. Yeah. Oh, although my my parents okay, this is another story about my parents that was yeah. pretty cool. They um they knew I was so into Star Wars when I was little um, that they went out. Uh, when I, I must've been super young when they did it because the, the backer, the backer cards are all the original star Wars. Um, and two of them are actually 12 backs, but they bought, uh, seven 
Star Wars figures. There was like a store that was going out of business and they were on sale and they were like, you know, he likes these so much. Let's just grab seven and throw them in the attic and just save them. They had the foresight to do that. So I have uh, seven original Star Wars figures that they put aside and then just gave them to me when I was like 13 or something. They were like, oh, these exist. And uh, <laughs> Did you rip them so open own- or no? No, I own oh, them good, now. Good. I own I own them in the original state. So they're um they're other than the original store that they went to, they were never circulated. Um, it was a closing out sale, so a few of them aren't even punched. They're just they because they were just probably like laying on a on a shelf or something, you know. Yeah. But um, they're it's all the it's all the mostly originals. It's the original C three PO, R two D two, um, Obi one and Vader are on twelve backs, and then there's. Uh, X-Wing Luke, Han and Leia, and um, I think that's it. Oh, uh, no, I don't have you. There might be one more I'm forgetting, but yeah. Just to end that phrase with, I think that's it. Like that, it, that's a lot. That's awesome. <laughs> it's not so much that, it's, that I don't know what they are, but it's yeah. more that I can't remember where my sentence started. So I don't know if I mentioned yeah. them all, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, have you sent them off to be graded or anything, or are they just in casing? They, I have them just um, in safe cases that uh, that I have on display. I should get them graded. I probably will at some point. Um, yeah. I kind of don't love the whole idea of putting it in something that it can never be taken out of, but it's also the, I mean, do I really, how much am I going to touch the thing anyway like i don't i do sometimes i take it out and hold it and look at it but i don't know you know the more yeah. some, the more valuable something gets the harder it is for me to you know want to handle it because <laughs> i don't want to yeah. do something stupid with it i don't trust myself <laughs> yeah i mean at some point we're we're gonna run out of these like original figures we're gonna run like they're all gonna be owned or they're gonna get destroyed like we're going to run out of some of these. So you like every time you hold it, you're holding something that's more and more valuable over time. I was looking at um, Uzai figures or Uze, however you pronounce it. And there, and and the numbers that people know actually exist out there. And it's like three carded headmen with everything, like uh, good blisters still exist and are in collections. And that is, that's the number that this website gave me. And that is insane to think that there's only three and that there's people that are probably like holding, it's just holding gold. Like, what do you do? Like, what do you do with that? Yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. I don't know what you would do with that. Yeah. (laughs) I think about that. Well, and that's the other thing too, is a lot of time, like my collection, nobody ever sees it. So because I don't, um, you know, I interact with people online, but uh, any anybody that that uh, I would interact with on, an, on a normal basis doesn't really care about my toy collection. <laughs> so you're just kind of holding on to this this little thing that is exciting just to you. <laughs> yeah, this nugget of history that like helped fuel so much of our pop culture for so long. Yes. Well, Star Wars, yes. It's arguable whether Headman has fueled yeah. our pop culture. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as we you continue, you kind of um, stop playing with toys. You do that, and then you get them back. You um, 
start getting rid of some of them, buying other ones, do touring. You have the band, all that stuff. You settle in Philadelphia. Take me to the spot in which you start noticing that you can make toys. There is there is a little dark period that we sort of brushed over, and I'm going to throw it in just because it's part of the influence there. Yes, please. And that is that is the 1995 restarting of Star Wars and the Power of the Force two, uh, which are also known as the Buff Star Wars guys. And I think you're a little you're younger than I think you're a good bit younger than me, right? Or maybe like yeah, ten years in, younger than me. I was born in 1990, so I got the worst okay. of Star Wars. So right, so you that you were younger when that was all happening, and yes, you got the worst of Star Wars. But I did jump in on that because, you know, it was just sort of uh, you get the collector's bug, you know, and you start checking the yeah. toy aisle. It's exciting again. So I definitely got uh, sucked into that. I probably rode that dark wave until about uh, Episode One, and then um, I dropped off. But uh, but yeah, one of my things, one of the things that excited me about that was that they were starting to make new characters that didn't exist in the old run. But then, and I think it's probably the same reaction that a lot of people had when they started customizing. Um, you couldn't put the two next to each other. Like if you put a 1995 uh, character that was never made in 1980s next to the 1980s one, the buff ones just didn't didn't mesh. It didn't work. Mm-hmm. So um, when they started putting out characters, I think around 2010 was when I started, uh, maybe a little bit earlier, maybe 2009 was when I started breaking up characters and saying, you know what, I don't care about any of these things that I bought. I'm ripping them off the card, um, and I'm just using them for their heads if I need them. And so I started boiling and popping and trying to kind of make up my own um, characters with the intent of of extending the... uh, extending the um the Kenner line the original Kenner line just mm-hmm. for myself you know um and that doesn't really sound that exciting these days because that that kind of concept is a dime a dozen um and even right down to Hasbro doing it where they're putting out the retro line now but at the time I was just kind of like waiting I'm like oh they're they're gonna figure it out someone's gonna put out Kenner like old school Kenner type characters but it took until I don't know I didn't even start seeing that stuff until years later and it was all through um customizers that grew in then grew into like 3d printing or grew into um you know making longer runs of things um yeah so i dabbled in that from for years um from probably around 2010 was when i first started i tried i originally called it just the uh the last 17 which i know there's another guy that uses that now um, but that was the goal was that I was going to play off the next seven, the last, uh, sorry, the next 17 going to play off the last 17. And my goal that I set for myself was that I was going to make a card back and I was going to create 17, uh, Kenner characters that had never been done in the original. Um, and my buddy, uh, Dane Marks, Buzzard Guts helped me print those cards because at the time I had, I had no idea how that was done. And um, he was a, a buddy of mine that we used to, uh, uh, you know, uh, I knew him from, he lives in Athens, Georgia, so I knew him from then. We've actually, we toured together, uh, his band and my band did a tour one, at one point. Um, and uh, so I knew him, but we never knew we were toy people <laughs> until <laughs> after I moved. But then after I moved, we used to do trades and stuff. Thursday night, 7 p.m. YouTube Live, it's Toys Alive! <laughs> 
Toys Alive! Toys Alive! Toys Alive! This way cool artist unboxing no accounts under a thousand followers. What? Art out there for 30 bucks or less. Collector spotlight. Ooh, collector. Current upcoming shows and drops. Drop. Giveaways. What? Short chats with artists. News from the hood. 100% indie all the time. That's, That's Toys Alive! Thursday nights, 7 p.m. PST, YouTube Live. Um, he, was look, he was looking for parts or something, or I was looking for parts, and we would swap swap ideas and swap uh, parts through the mail. Um, and he, so he helped me with cards on those, and I ended up making that, that line of 17 characters. Um, but at the time, uh, I never really thought about it. Um, I know Dane got more involved in, in doing, like, runs of stuff, and I never really thought of it that way. I never thought that really that I should make more more of these. It was just kind of um, trying to uh, achieve like a personal goal. Yeah, but um, you, were, I mean, then, you did toys so early on, trying to make the toys that you wanted, trying to make those things that you that didn't exist. You started customizing really early on. Yeah. Um, yeah, just kind of boredom, I guess. <laughs> Keep in mind too that was, that was right around the time when I moved to Philadelphia. So I did. I was fortunate at the time to meet some people here, and I did have friends. Um, but I, when I first moved, I literally moved from one town to another. When I moved to Athens, I had friends there, um, so I was moving in with people and hanging out with people right away. When I moved to Philadelphia, I was lucky to make some friends. But when I moved here, I didn't really know anybody. Yeah. So there, those times um, when I was just kind of you know just going and and that was also the same time when i when my parents moved out of their house so i got a bunch of like not just my old toys but also just like that bottom of the toy box kind of like here's a bunch of broken parts what do i do with this yeah so that that kind of started it a little bit too you know something here's a thing that's not that's broken and you can't even sell it for a dollar but maybe if i combine it with this other broken thing then i can make something stupid with it <laughs> Like a lot of that kind of stuff. I mean, and then you you had toys, like custom toys as a periphery thing for you because Dane was doing them and helping you make card backs, and then you started seeing him make runs and things. What put me at a year? What what year are we talking? So that would uh, I can't speak for Dane. I don't know exactly when he started, but I do remember talking really early on with him when we were just kind of talking casually about taking things apart. I don't know when he started doing runs. And I kind of dropped off at that point too. I, I had a couple of kids in that era and I mm -hmm. was a stay-at-home dad. So I know I know he was doing a lot of that stuff, but I didn't really follow the scene in that respect. I didn't really I can't really claim to know what was going on. Yeah. Um but I started pulling things apart and popping them back together. This would have been around 2009, 2010, I think. That's like Rebel Scum era, the blog that used to operate for customizers. Um, I actually, I don't know that. <laughs> I know Rebel Scum is. I know. I thought you were referring to something. I know Dane did a um a piece at one point that was called Rebel Scum, but you're talking about a a customizer blog. I don't know. Yeah, there was a um because Instagram and and Facebook, uh, they're relatively new. I mean, Facebook began in like 2008. Yeah. And so um, Rebel Scum, if you search back, you can find super old um, things from Sucklord and Killer and Healy and 
all these different artists that are like on this thing that it started out as just customizing Star Wars and then you saw this unveloping of like everything else. But that's your it seems right. like it's the same kind of era, which is cool. Yeah. I did so yeah, that's that era. and and things like so I know that um like Sucklord and Healy are like um are very uh, like our big names at the time i do remember catching wind of the of both of them like i remember the the um when gay empire came out because i every so i i'm a a, a toy fan um who has a lot of friends uh who uh, aren't that into toys so but when people see toys i'm the guy that they like sent like if someone sees something funny that's toys or the star wars they send it to me so i do remember people sending me um like the the gay empire thing like oh check this out so i do remember seeing that but it never it never again it never occurred to me at the time that i even at the time when i saw that in my brain it was just like oh this guy made one of these like it never occurred to me that that was a thing that was um it was uh being multiplied yeah i don't know why it took me so long to figure that out or to to take interest i guess yeah i uh the hard part is like I mean, I came in at 2020, so this scene had like long existed before I came in. When did you see it, and it started making you like want to click in, take notice to it, and start participating in it? Uh, so Jazz Wizard is the answer to that. He kept tagging me in things. He and he kept posting things that it's like you know I started seeing his collection growing, and um, and. I was just kind of exposed, I guess, more to seeing that stuff. And, and when he would tag me and he would tag me in different things or like, (laughs) or say, or, uh, or like even at the beginning, uh, he would, he would, he would refer to me as his guru or refer to me as, (laughs) as something in a post. And I was like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta start chiming in on this because my name's being thrown. I don't want to, I don't want people to get the wrong impression, you know, but anyway, that, that, that was also around the same time. Um, I started um, putting my uh, my Instagram public. Uh, I started doing some some short like uh, sketch comedy type stuff with some friends uh, around 2021. We were all uh, we were all um, you know working virtual and had a little more time on our hands, so we all shot like different things, uh, and then had a couple of us editing it on different ends to put things together. And they're just totally uh, ridiculous, kind of silly things, but we had a lot of fun doing that. So I kind of came public for that. And then, and then, since Jazz Wizard kept showing me cool things and um, tagging me on stuff, uh, it just sort of uh, branched out from there. And then also, um, the to Toys Alive, yeah, has introduced me to a lot, which I also fully uh, credit Jazz Wizard uh, to bringing me into that world because he introduced me to B to the J, and he introduced me to that show and um, the people that I've met through that show, just by dicking around in the chat and dicking around on Instagram. <laughs> so it's Jazz Wizard's fault that you are now seen as this person that has so much knowledge about toys. And it's... <laughs> well, yeah, I guess so. Okay. <laughs> it's not, I mean, I, I don't, I don't totally, uh, I don't totally deny it. Um, you know, uh, I've tried, Jazz has asked, you know, we've talked about stuff and I've tried to pass my knowledge along when I have it. But um, yeah. I think any any anyone that's talked to, that's taken interest in toys or asked me about toys, uh, I try to do the same. 
I had um, Uncle Spank wrote to me the other day uh, asking me about uh, he, a, a guy that he cast and he couldn't remember what piece he used and asked me if I could recognize it. So I try. I love stuff like that. Like when people ask me to try to solve a mystery piece or uh, or someone has a hard time identifying something, I like I like the challenge. Yeah, that's one of my favorite. Um, I don't use Reddit often, but when I do use it, it's this like Reddit page where it's something like, "Can you identify this?" and it's just toys. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I used to. Be on, I don't use Facebook too much anymore, but um, I used to be on a, a Facebook group like that too. It was a lot of fun where just people, it was like specifically just for identifying toys or a lot of times like little miscellaneous pieces, like accessories and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, it was a great resource because not, not only helping other people, but also just like every once in a while you end up with, that's where a lot of my knowledge comes from, you know? Like I had some piece that I couldn't ID and then somebody helped me and I stored that useless piece of information away for later <laughs> yeah um when did you start your making as of current so we know that you did customizing and then there yeah. is a collab that happens called broids yes bro droids which is awesome anytime yes. anyone puts muscle arms on anything i think it's freaking <laughs> hilarious um when when did that start when you making toys like that that just started in the last couple of years. So that was like okay. 2021. Um, and I, um, yeah, I roped, I roped general porpoise in on that project because I knew that my chops were not up to, um, casting. In fact, the first thing I cast ever other than just a couple of test pieces right before it was the prototype for broids. I was doing, I was starting to do cards. I've gotten, I feel like I've gotten better with cards and I, and I like that kind of as a, a thing that, trying to get better with resin but cards i feel like i've gotten pretty good at so i was making some cards and doing some things with with um one-offs and i started ordering um i started ordering some uh blisters from dke and i was emailing dove and and uh and he was just like hey if you ever want to send something my way let me know so i thought up broids and pitched it to him and he was like i love it let's do it so um but there's the uh there's the prototype so That's he's so good just uh the whole idea was to kind of try to mash up the art and and then i liked um everything i do has like a little well sometimes a lot but i like things that are dumb i think uh the idea of bootlegs i know um I know some people don't like that term because it's an art form, but I feel like what I do is more of a bootleg. Mm -hmm. And then what General Porpoise does, which is here, is an art form. <laughs> <laughs> fully, artic fully articulated, every piece is resin, uh, colored resin. Um, although now that they see them side by side on the screen, they look similar. Great. <laughs> but yeah, the art, the, he has, he has, General Porpoise has that, that artist, um, you know, like the perfect color matching and uh, the perfect um, chemistry of resin yeah. that I do not have yet. Um, but what came out of it was I pitched the uh, I pitched the prototype, and um, General Porpoise was willing to help out. Um, so I kind of put the design together, do the cards, and he cast the figures for me. 
but I, I like the idea of it just being ridiculous that this muscly thing has the still has the sticker that just wraps around his chest so the muscles are all kind of like in this cylindrical droid body and that's um, so smart that way you don't have to paint and like i i think yes all of that together just if we could pause right there and how genius that figure is the resin is colored resin the yeah yeah it's perfect in how you do it the sticker makes it easier to like pump out figures because you don't have to paint all that on the head looks like it was a pain in the ass to paint but to only have to paint a couple things it's nice um and that goes to speak to to the fact that i'm not an artist in that sense i know there's a lot of guys in the scene that are like tattoo artists and drawers and painters and sculptors i'm not any of those things i'm just kind of a toy nerd (laughs) you got that music Um, i I dig it i dig it a lot so um and the other thing that was nice about the prototype was i knew it wasn't going to come out perfect but i created this other character who's on the card back his name is brolem Mm -hmm. and brolem is basically the uh like the uh mythological golem so he's supposed to be this character that you know uh is made of stone so i cast all the brolems myself using the prototype mold because they come out a little bit wonky but i cast them in um i mix sand in the resin so that yeah. it comes out kind of this like blobby sort of mess um and all of those little imperfections sort of just uh don't matter so much anymore so that's one of the things that i'm messing with brolem right is now. such a good name it's such a good name <laughs> yeah. um thanks and you've done this and you you've made other things from like going through Instagram and and it I'm hoping that you create all those characters on the back of the Broids backer. I hope that's in the the cards. I think we're I think we're almost there, yeah. Great. Um so the question then is uh that I have well I have a two parter. Um one, what's next? And as like a, a secondary piece to that. Are you ever going to try to find a way to combine your music artistry with this toy making artistry? That's a good question. I don't know. Um, I haven't really thought of that. Usually when, like right now, um, I feel like my mind sort of shifts from one to the other. Mm -hmm. Like I was working really heavy on music. And I actually have, we released our last album we released in 2000. 21 21 and then um we have another one that's done that we just haven't released yet we're just kind of sitting on it and waiting um but it's i think it's pretty good so i kind of stepped away from that and started messing with resin a little bit and with designing cards i've done a few um i've done a few things helping others um print cards kind of branching out in that but yeah like my my uh, folklore industry brain has sort of shifted to toys at the moment and has sort of not forgotten about music, but I haven't really worked on music in a, in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the whole edit, the video editing and the uh, comedy stuff has also kind of taken a backseat at the moment. So, um, but yeah, I could totally shift back and I could see maybe something coming together with both. I haven't really, I haven't really thought about it. Just sort of sit in the basement and doing whatever, whatever comes in my way. <laughs> yeah. So the I, I think the yeah. the question then is, what's next for you 
as Jimmy Folklore, the toy maker? So I don't totally know. I'll, okay. sh- oh, I'll show you one more thing that I'm working on. This is Arco. Oh, he's great. And he's another sort of silly. Um, he's got a silly sticker and his size is so good. This is a um uh do I have him here? Yeah, this is a muscle actually. So this kind of ties in the muscle. Yep. But um I have an over this is an oversized muscle. I have a few of these, they're fun. So I use his body. That's a great and the great use. The head is from an R2D2 knockoff that was made by uh Arco. (laughs) Nice. Uh, so the question then with that, is that going through uh, DKE to release at DesignerCon or something? No, I think this is going to be the next thing that um, we just do on our own. I have awesome. um, my buddy, my buddy Ian, who has been helping me do some cardbacks. He's in Oregon, and he um, he helped me do a couple of cardbacks recently that were like um, foil cards and glow-in-the-dark and stuff like that. So he's currently uh, working on a card for the Arco figure. Um, he'll probably be out by the end of the month and he'll probably be a short run, I'm guessing. Um, one thing that's fun about him too, that I am trying to incorporate is, I don't know if you can probably see it, but, um, the Mohawk and the eyes are the resin and it's Mm -hmm. translucent. So you blast, um, some light through his head and the eyes will glow. I don't know if you remember any older toys that did that. The power of the force Two Jawa did that. R2 did Um, that. Some of the old, what was that? There was an R2 that did that. He had a blue. There was an R2. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Um, there was an old toy line where the creatures did that too, called Inhumanoids. Yeah. So yeah, I tried yeah. to do that with this. Yeah. And then he also has a reversible head. He can go into battle mode and he has kind of like a Cylon head on that side. <laughs> so sick. That's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. Are you partnering with uh, Gen Porp still? So, yes. Uh, General Porpoise and I should we have one planned for decon through okay. DK. That should be another that is another broid coming. Um that if all goes well will be Broba. 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 And we've got some ideas, ideas for him. Yeah. Um and uh that would leave us with just one more to go. And uh and we'll have our our <laughs> We'll have our promised um, tagline of at least six. At least six. <laughs> hey, so the I question... think the original tag, the original tagline of muscles was I forget what exactly what it was, but it was like hundreds, hundreds of them. Yeah. But we changed we changed it to at least six. Our, keeping our, keeping our bar low for broids. Is there? Have you talked to anyone that has one of each? There are only other than myself. There are only two people out there that I know that have one of each. Let's give so them a shout out. Let's give them a shout out because that's amazing. Holy moly. I'm um, sure one of them is garbage shoot droids yep. and one of them is Dove. <laughs> Dove. Of course it's Dove. <laughs> and and theoretically others, but uh, I, I don't know. I don't know where they end up. Oh, and I should mention too that it's not set in stone, but I do. We I have been talking to General Porpoise too about possibly uh, moving forward doing another. Uh, series so <laughs> we'll see Heck if we get yeah. there can we get a glimpse <laughs> at what it might include sure um I and again that, i don't want to i don't want to over overreach that because uh 
are those guys? <clears throat> so, um, because this may this will happen at some point, but I, uh, whether or not uh, I don't want to speak for general purpose. Uh, but the goal was we have talked about it, and the goal was to kind of um, one of the other things that I customized after I did uh, Star Wars was I got very deeply into a line called Dragon Riders of the Sticks. Yep. And and when I had collected all of those, uh, was right around the time when we moved into our house. And I had this full collection, and right when we moved into our new house, our heater broke, and I needed some money quick. So I sold my entire Dragon Riders of the Sticks collection because I knew it was one of those things that I could sell as a lump and that somebody would come along and buy it, and I would just have some money. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then I had to spend another several years recollecting all that stuff, which I've done, and then I got kind of um, – I just got the itch, and I needed it to go further, so I started – customizing um dragon riders of the sticks figures and i have a whole line if you go back on my instagram they're there a whole line of like seven or eight different uh characters from that they're great whether we and i have a few more too that i haven't um revealed yet but uh the idea there is more like that original idea of star wars is taking the original um property and expanding on it rather than um, rather than hodgepodging things together, uh, from not not there's anything you know, but like not not um, not kit bashing. I mean, you're kit bashing, but you're kit bashing within the same line. Yeah. Um, so there are some heads that I borrow from other lines, but for the most part, the body types are all some version of the body type that was already there. Um, so I'm gonna attempt to do a few more of those. Um, and one thing that I kind of like about that, I don't know if do you remember there was a line um called Sergeant Rock. Do you know about Sergeant Rock? I don't, I don't. Sort of like G.I. Joe knockoffs. Yeah. Um, one of the things that was I always really liked about Sergeant Rock, they were in 1980s, it's a DC comic, but one of the smaller companies, Remco, made the Sergeant Rock figures. And it's it's one of those lines where they're super cheap, but there's like four body types and like two sets of arms and maybe like four or five heads but they released like 20 figures out of those few <laughs> things and they're just there's a whole line of bad guys that are black and then there's their counterpart that are good guys in green and then if you take this guy's head and give him an eye patch and swap it over here now you care and then i don't know it's really a funny line because they just took really very few molds and just ran with it so that's kind of what I'm trying to do with the Dragon Riders is how many um, – it's less so art and more so like a personal challenge. Yeah. How many uh, different combinations can you make out of – like what's the Rubik's Cube limit of <laughs> a combination for Dragon Riders? Or... Well, that's awesome. So that's what I've been I'm kind of pushing myself to do with that. But yeah. It's a little bit different than the Star Wars mashups because Star Wars have so many parts. Um, which even He-Man, when He-Man came out and G.I. Joe came out, their original line was just like a repeated part. They had a couple of different parts that they repeated. But Star yeah. Wars, even on like the most basic things, a single figure has a unique mold. So you can just kind of kick bash with Star Wars forever, but you're much more limited when you have a line that only had like six or seven figures to begin with. Hell yeah. Dude, thank you so much for a peek behind the new series. I can't wait to see yeah, it. Sure. This it's been awesome having you on to talk toys and 
and your art and hear about your music. Uh, the last part of all of our episodes, one of my favorite parts that I tell every artist, um, you get to plug all the stuff that you've got upcoming artists that you want to talk about, where we can find your art, how we can collab, all the good stuff. Sure. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm, uh, first of all, thank you. I really appreciate you having me on. It's been a real um, pleasure being on. So thanks for asking. And um, yeah, I'm working on, uh, I'm working on finishing up the Broids line and I'm open to the future. I don't have too much else in the works. I'm working with General Porpoise. So shout out to General Porpoise. Check out his website, generalporpoise.toys. Um, my buddy Ian Rickard Delios is my uh, partner who's out in uh, Oregon helping me with cards. Shout out to him. And um, yeah, I like I like making cards. If you need help making cards or want to send me your design and have me be the one that puts on a card, let me know. I'll help you out. And I'm looking, I love to collab with people too. So reach out if you think that that sounds cool to you. Heck yeah. Dude, thank you again for coming on Toys on Top. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it.